Praise God. It's good to be. I just tweeted. I tweeted after the first service how good it is to be back with my MBT family. I miss you guys. Some of you guys don't know me. Um, when the Brooklyn Lighthouse Church merged or fused is the word that they prefer to use with the Baptist Temple, I was a lead pastor at Brooklyn Lighthouse. And I became associate pastor at uh, the new Baptist Temple as a result of the fusion. And uh, I was launched out to start a church. They sent out the Navy SEALs. They sent out the Navy SEALs of the church. A group of us went out. We started a church in a, called the Recovery House Worship in Brooklyn. Um, two years after that, that was 2005. 2007, we started the Recovery House Worship in Staten Island. 2009, we started Recovery House Worship in Coney Island. 2010, started Recovery House Worship in Baltimore. And we launched out uh, two Bible studies in 2002 church plants to Union City, New Jersey, and Queens uh, this year. And we're starting churches in Philadelphia, Long Island, and California. And so we have seven locations now. By the time this year is up, we'll have 10. Next year, we'll have uh, close to 15. So I wanted to give... You're part of something greater than what you see. And sometimes you've got to be able to look, see things from a spiritual perspective, from a kingdom perspective. Um, drug addicts are, are being delivered, set free, touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. They're coming to dine at the master's table as a result of uh, a ministry that was founded in the heart of God, uh, this church planting movement that you guys are part of. And so I want to thank you, and I, that's the report from the church planting um, me and Randy Q. Randy Q, his name is Quinones. Randy Quinones from East L.A. Uh, he was on in the gangs over there. He used to have tattoos on his face. He had, can't even say some of the names of his tattoos because they are, uh, but he had tattoos on his face, on his eyes, on his hands. He had them surgically removed after a while. And so you, you won't be able to tell he has tattoos on his face unless I tell you. Um, he got saved and to the Recovery House of Worship, a regional thing that we do, the Wolf Pack. We have members of the church that we're sheep in wolves' clothing. And we go into the enemy's camp because he sends wolves in sheep's clothing. So why not mess with his camp? He want to come mess with our camp, right? Yeah. So in the wolf cat doing this thing, wolf, wolf pack does it. We found Randy Q and a couple of other guys and we had to minister to them. And now we're training them so they could be church planters as well. But me and Randy Q got an opportunity to go on a short-term mission. Short-term mission. A short-term mission is when you go for a week, to a month, whatever the, the, the short term is, and you're able to preach the gospel, you're able to serve in, in another ministry. It could be in the same city, but we, we was in Senegal, Africa. We was in Senegal, we went to Africa, and we was there for two weeks. We visited seven villages. We had 13 of us. We broke into two teams. We went to a village for three days. Every, every time we went to a village, we had a choir come up and sing with us. We showed a Christian movie, the Jesus film, or a gospel presentation in their language. They don't, they haven't, most of them have never seen movies before in their lives. We went with a projector. We set up the screen. Um, very powerful time. Over, if you, if, I don't know if you know about Senegal. It's a Muslim country. It, we're, not, we're not talking about South Africa. We're talking about the deserts of Africa where there's no water, no electricity. And uh, over 200 Muslims came forward to give their lives to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as a result of the trip. Um, over 2,000 Muslims were able to hear the gospel, many of them for the first time ever. First time ever. Um, Jesus Christ is mentioned in the Quran as a prophet. And so that, that's all they knew. They never heard the Jesus Christ of the Bible. They never heard that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And so we was able to share the gospel with people who never heard it before which is pretty significant for us. Randy Q led his first person to the Lord while he was over there. His first uh, convert was a Muslim uh, who gave his life to the Lord in a village over there. And um, I don't know if you know this, but 95% of Christians never lead anyone to the Lord. 95% of Christians never lead anyone to the Lord. They don't know how to share the gospel. They're, sh they're afraid to share the gospel. You know, they want to live and let live and let people go to hell, unfortunately. And so... Um, that's the Africa uh, uh, report. While, while I was in Africa, this, a bunch of uh, Muslim men said, what you're saying, we believe is true. We can sense that what you're saying is from God. But we don't have enough information to make the kind of life change you're asking of us. Because when we accept Jesus Christ, if we accept Jesus Christ, our family has a funeral 
and to, the, to them, we're dead. And finding a job and trading crops for other people, it, it becomes scarce. Because we've betrayed the family name, we betrayed, you know, the Muslim culture, we betrayed even the chiefs of the villages. So the guy said, if only you could please stay and teach us the Bible every day for a couple of weeks. Maybe you can give us enough information so we can make an informed decision where we can serve this Jesus that you're talking about. And it was very powerful. So I wish I could have stayed. You know, I wish I, I thought about it. For those who know, in 2002, I wanted to move to Africa. It, it did not work out. But uh, hearing this man tell me that again really messed me up. And so what we decided, we covered House of Worship, and, and some members, we're, we're, we're going to support missionaries who can go teach the, the Bible to the Muslims every day so they can have information to make a... How many know, in order to make a new decision, you need new information? In order to make better decisions, you need better information. You know, it's common sense. And so we're going to pay, we're going to support these missionaries so they can go teach the Bible in these villages. We bought two motorcycles, uh for pastors so they can travel to the different villages. Uh, motorcycle costs $800, and we gave them fuel for a year and maintenance for a year. He was able to do that for two pastors so he can go back to the villages. Um, you'd be shocked what your little dollars and, you know, your contribution can do. So I wanted to give you a report. Your money is being extended all the way to another country in Africa, and Muslims are getting served and, and, and learning about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So please be faithful in your giving. Don't stop giving to the Lord. Um, the Bible says, you shall sow as you reap. You'll reap what you sow, excuse me. So as you give, you shall be receiving. Amen? Okay. I asked Pastor Edwin what he was preaching on. And he said he was preaching like his favorite scriptures or scriptures that touched him through the process. And so I'm going to share with you one of my favorite sermons. Um, for those who know, you guys know, I, I, I passed the Recovery House of Worship Churches where people in recovery, they don't drink alcohol, they don't, you know, they, they abstain totally. So I remember the first time I presented this sermon, I said, Recovery House of Worship, check it out, check it out, check it out. It is time for some wine. They were like, hallelujah, glory. You know, they got Baptocostal on me, you know what I mean? They thought I was going to serve some wine. They, said, they were thinking about the old Wild Irish Rose days, you know what I mean? That, you know, so that alcohol don't even have grapes in it, you know what I mean? So, but, but they thought I was going to give them wine, and, and I'm not going to give you wine. I, I like to share with you uh, some Holy Ghost wine, yeah. if I can say that. And um, so, I don't know if you know this, but anybody know what John first, uh, Jesus' first miracle was? Turning water to wine. In John chapter 2, if you've got your Bibles, go to John chapter 2. The first miracle Jesus performs in, in Cain of Galilee is he, he turns water into wine. And I want to read through that with you. I want to share some thoughts. And uh, we're going to pray and go home. Amen? John chapter 2. Uh, if Pastor Edwin will be preaching, you probably have a handout. Amen? Uh, I'm sure you miss your pastor. Amen? Yeah. Amen. He probably have the scripture there for you, the handout, pen, pencil, mascara, right? <laughs> Come on, somebody. All right. He'll be back next week. Amen? All right. John chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no more wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Verse 7. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim, and he said to them, Draw some out now, and take it to the head waiter or the master of the banquet, so they took it to him. When the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter or the master of the banquet called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves good wine first, and when people have drunken freely, then he serves a poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now, and sometimes you've saved the best for last. This beginning of Jesus, a sign Jesus did in Cana of Galilee 
and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Amen? All right. A couple of thoughts. All right. Uh, I'm not Pastor Edwin. Um, this is Pastor Raymond. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach and teach in my, in my style, which you probably, you know, um, you're blessed to have a, a, a teacher of the Bible who's a preacher. Some preachers like to preach and not go to the Bible. And uh, so you're blessed to have the teacher you have in, in Pastor Edwin. Um, some churches grow real wide and real far, long, but they're only one inch thick. They got no substance to them. They don't know the word. And so I'm sure if you've been here at MBT, you know the word, and he's been preaching the word. He goes through books. He goes through the whole Bible, expository. So you have a wonderful preacher, teacher, and Pastor Edwin. Um, I want to share some thoughts with you about the reading. In John chapter 2, in verse 2, Verse 2, it says, Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Um, I, I would like to talk about where you're invited to, if you're invited. We have a lot of Christians who are not invited to social gatherings for good reason. There's many people that don't want Christians around them. There's many people that they will not, like, when they're making a list of invitations, they jump over some people in their phone book because they know the people in their phone book happen to be Christians who are arrogant, self-righteous, judgmental, and it's not about Jesus, it's all about them. And so I, I want to make a point of that, that in the Bible, it, the Bible says, man shall not live on for bread alone, but at every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. We're talking about every word. Why would it take time to say Jesus and his disciples were invited? If they're at the wedding, we know they were invited. But I think that the writer, the Holy Spirit, wants us to know that we need to continue to be invited to social gatherings. You, we can't come and hide out in the church and be the frozen chosen or the first Baptist of us four and no more. See what I'm saying? We, we got to be able to continue to go out into the world. You got to go. You're not of the world, but you got to go into the world, and you are called to be the salt and the light of the world. You're called to be the flavor of, of wherever you go. Wherever you go, you're supposed to change the atmosphere. I teach my church that we need more Christians who are not so much uh, 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 thermometers, but thermostats. Where that, that when you go someplace, you just say, oh, these people are cursing, these people are messed up, these people, oh, there's gay marriage, oh, this, oh, my God. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. We need Christians who do exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And when you go, you don't just turn what the temperature is, but you're a thermostat. You change the temperature. That when you go, a, a little, you know, we're blessed here. I have church at 360 on Sunday nights. We don't got AC. But one little flick of a switch can make this place much more comfortable than it could be, right? And we need Christians who, listen, that when you go places, you're the salt and you're the, you're the, you're the light of the world. That when you go, you, 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 you shine Jesus wherever you go. Your character is Christ-like. We got too many Christians that are not invited. Sometimes they're invited and they think they're too good to go. You know, you, you, part of the Purpose Driven Life series that I do is something called, you got to learn how to be insulated. Insulated. Because you got Christians that they come to church, they get saved, and you need to have friends that are not saved. You need to know people who are twisted, who are tore from the floor, who live in, who serve other religions, who, who sexuality is twisted. You, you should have friends that you care about, people you love, that are out there doing what they do. You can't be just Christians and all you hang out with Christians and all you know is Christians, and that's not what the Bible says we should do. That's not what the Bible says. So you got to learn how to be insulated. You know what insulated means? Anybody eat fish? Anybody eat fish? eat fish? I eat fish, right? Uh, I go to Apollo restaurant and I order me some filet, asada, with garlic, right? So anyway, long story short, the fish is in salt water its entire existence, right? And when they serve it to me, guess what I put on it? Salt. Why is something that's in salt water its entire existence, why does it need salt for flavor? Because it's insulated. Because even though the fish is in the water, the thing that's outside of it cannot penetrate its inside because it's insulated and fortified by its skin. We need Christians who have biblical insula insulation that even though you're out there, they don't influence you, you influence them. But you need to be out there. You need to be out there. You need to be mingling. You need to be invited to some social gatherings. Because Jesus was invited to the social gathering, he was able to perform his first miracle. Now let me just say this for... for 
Before you go anywhere, make sure you're trained. Make sure you're discipled. Make sure you know the word. Don't go out there with just Jesus wept as your life verse. You know what I mean? Don't go, oh yeah, Jesus wept. Let's go get him. You know, and half of John 3.16. You know what I'm saying? Make sure that before you go, Jesus spent time with his disciples. He trained them for three and a half years. He spent time with them. He corrected them. He encouraged them. He rebuked them. He, 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 he exemplified for them. Make sure before you go, because Jesus said, go. I want you to go. When, when the, I want you to go out and make disciples. But before you go, I want you to wait, he said. Because there's going to be a, a counselor. So I'm sending you a Holy, the Holy Spirit. So make sure that you don't go out there and you're not running around naked like some of the disciples did in the Bible because they weren't equipped to do what God called them to do. So I'm saying, but once you know the Bible, once you've been trained, once you know how to pray, you need to go out there, you need to be the salt and, and the light of the world. Are you with me? Okay, so he, he was invited. The next thing that I thought was interested, now this is very important, is that his mother realized that somebody else had a problem. Right? Remember when she steps to Jesus? He, sa- he says, woman, which is a problem in my culture. He says, woman, why do you come to me what does this have to do with us? All right? And he says, my time has not yet come. First thing I want to say is this, before I even get to my point. In my culture, if you call your mother woman, you get a tapaboca. I don't know what a tapaboca well, is. You know, my son knows what a tapaboca is. You know what I mean? So, so, in some, so he, she's going to Jesus. Now, it says Jesus' mother, right? The mother of Jesus. And, she, and he, he says, woman, why are you bothering me with this? Why are you stepping to me? My time is now. And so, just the, 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 the way he approached her in my culture is a problem already. But I'll tell you later how Mary is smoother than a lot of Christians. But one of the things that's important, that Mary was able to see, she was aware outside of her little life, outside of her little peephole perspective of life, that someone else other than her had a problem. She was able to be aware. You got to be aware before you can care. And some Christians are always going to be miserable. They're never going to be blessed and highly favored because all they do is care about themselves. So you're never going to be blessed. If you like that, if all you care about is you and your rent and your bills and your kids and how you feel, and your, you're never going to be blessed because you came to receive, but now you got to stay to give. See what I'm saying? And so now she, she saw someone else had a problem. She came to Jesus. Now that's another good point in there. If you know someone who has a problem, you know somebody who's struggling somewhere in their life, if you see somebody begging for, for money in front of Dunkin' Donuts, if you know somebody in your job who they, don't, they never make it back to work after payday on Thursday or Friday and they're always missing on Monday, if you know somebody who's bugging, you see a problem, you could be like Mary and bring Jesus into the equation. You could add Jesus to the equation. Amen? So here's what Mary does. She goes to Jesus and she says, they have no more wine. Now, if, does, does this has serious uh, uh, implications because to have no more wine is a social embarrassment and people travel from far and they didn't got no cars back there. And was, uh, they set up the wedding and they came to the wedding and it's insulting not to have wine to give to you, especially to run out of wine. And then this woman is marrying into this name that already has, is already a, a, a stain, so to say. So Mary knew the implications of this, of this couple's situation, and she goes to Jesus, and, and listen to me, this is very important. Jesus tells her, now here's what happens, right? Let's say that this is Jesus, all right? This is Jesus, and this is the servants. Mary goes to Jesus, and she says, they have no more wine. He kind of disses her. You know, he kind of disses her and says, woman, not mommy, woman, why are you bothering me with this? It's not my time. It's not good. She, listen to me, very important. She don't even get caught up in no little dumb drama. You know, most people be like, who are you calling woman? Who are you talking to? I'm talking, look at me when I talk to you. What? And some people get caught up in how they were addressed and they, you, didn't, you didn't address me appropriately. You didn't speak to me the way you're supposed You don't respect me. And some people say go caught up with them that they will forget why they're approaching the situation and forget the need that they're trying to meet. Get that. It's in there. It's in there. Because some Christians get caught up with, they want to they wanna win a theological d- debate and they want to win an argument and they want to forget about the soul that's at stake. And so it's important that when she goes to Jesus and he doesn't address her the way I think it should, is proper or even culturally ap- appropriate, he, she don't even miss, mess with him. She don't even miss a beat. She says, 
Just do whatever he tells you to do. I don't know if you, you got to get that. She don't get stuck on her, on her respect, on what you're talking to me. She don't get caught up on self. A lot of Christians are so, so self-absorbed and self-obsessed that they forget the purpose they're even alive. You're alive to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Let your name be dug in the mud and let the name of Jesus Christ be lifted up. It's not about you getting respect. It's about God getting glory. That's what I'm saying to you. So she don't even miss a beat. She don't even address, in my mind, cause, and I told her, when, when I read the Bible, I got to read it from my perspective. So I'm thinking, Mary must have thought, I'm going to see you later. <laughs> right? That's, a, that's what I'm thinking, because sometimes I can't slap my son because we're in the store. Right? I, I don't know if you slap your kids. I, my, my son will testify. He, you know, the, the, the ghetto version says, you know, if you don't slap your kids, then uh, uh, someone else will. You know what I mean? So, thank you. Thank you. If you love your children, you discipline them, the Bible says. All right? Discipline, not get revenge. Okay, that's a different sermon. Okay. So what happened was, she don't even address him. She don't even, so just when you read the Bible, read it from your perspective. The Bible is speaking to you. You don't need to go to the pastor to learn the word of God, even though that's his job, to equip you. But you, God don't have any grandchildren. We're all his children. And you can learn right from the word of God. And God will speak to you where you're at, your culture, your language, your, your, your maturity level. So when I'm reading that, I'm thinking, she's going to hit him off later. But she's right now focused. She's focused. And, she's, and when Jesus talks to her, she don't even address it. You've got to learn how to do that, beloved. You've got to learn how to don't sweat, don't get caught up with the snares and the traps. And in the middle of a saving a soul or meeting a need, don't start chasing a rabbit trail. Don't get caught up on something that's insignificant, not important. Stay focused on why you're called and what God has called you to do. Because it's in there. So she tells the servants, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. All right? So now check it out. There's a lot of Christians that pray. They come to counseling. They come to church. They, you know, some of you guys do two services. And our house, we, make, we tell our leadership, you've got to double dip. You got to go to two services a day. Sundays is the Lord. It's not just two hours. If you're a leader, you got less. You got more responsibility and less liberty. If you're a leader, you can't do what this person does. He's just checking out the Christian tires. You sold out. You're supposed to be a leader. So what happens is this: a lot of people, a lot of people want to be. If you do, you want to be blessed by God. I mean, do you want do you want God to bless you? You want, the Bible says that he, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to bless you, I have a hope in the future not to harm you. You want that from God? Then if you could just learn this, what Mary said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's, that's it. If, if there's anything as significant that I can say in this, in this particular sermon, is the words of Mary. If you want to be blessed, if you want to be the head and not the tail, if you want to quote scriptures with power that you're living out, then you got to learn to do whatever he tells you to do. Not, too many people want to fight and manipulate the scriptures so that God can do what they want them to do instead of doing what God wants them to do. Amen. Hear what I'm saying to you? And that's, that's, the, that's the, 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 the end and all to the whole Christian thing. If you can learn to do what he's called you to do, now here's the problem. Not one of us can do what he's called us to do on our own. Nobody. I can't do it. The Bible says with man this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible, right? So, so, so she tells him, she tells the servants, do whatever he tells, whatever he said, do it. She didn't know, now check it out, listen to me. She didn't go to Jesus and tell him how to solve the problem. You know how many Christians go to God? God, when he's turning left on 4th Avenue, let him have a car accident right there so that he knows it's right there on 4th Avenue where I told him. And, 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 you know, and, and people, they, they want to tell God how to solve other people's problems. Mary don't, go, don't, Mary don't do that. Mary goes to, to, to Jesus, so that's a principle there. If you have a problem, or you know someone has a problem, go to Jesus. And when you go to Jesus, don't tell Jesus how to solve the problem. See what I'm saying? Whatever he tells him to do, do it. Okay, so now what happens is this. The, the next verse is pretty interesting. All right? He, Jesus tells him to fill the, the water jugs with water. They're obedient. They just do it. He tells them, takes them to, in verse 8, takes them to the master of the banquet. They're taking water. They just filled the cisterns with water. And he tells them to go risk your livelihood, 
Because you're taking water. He, he's expecting wine, and they're bringing him water. They just filled it with water. They were obedient in filling it with water. Now the real test. Usually there's a test after the test. Right? Filling with water is not that hard. I don't fill it with water. Some Christians are good. I fill it with water. I don't got, there's nothing at stake filling it with water. But now you want me to take it to the master of the banquet. Now it's going to cost me. Now I am implicated in the situation. A lot of Christians are good when it don't cost them nothing. A lot of Christians are, they're willing. I'll go to church. I'll come on Sunday. Oh, now you want me to tithe? Oh, now you want me to serve? Now you're putting pressure on me? Yeah, I don't, we don't need, listen, it's important to get, God don't need me. God don't need you. We need him. We, we, all right, so check it out. They go and, and bringing the water to the master of the banquet, they're risking their life. They're risking their job. In some situations, they can be cast out. It's disrespectful. What are you trying to do? I, some scholars, I don't, like this, I don't like the comparison at all. But some scholars say that it's like bringing Jesus vinegar when he asked for water, bringing the master of the banquet water when he asked for wine. That it's an insult. Now, I don't like the comparison, but you see the, you see the comparison. Okay. So now they, they bring the master of the banquet some, the, the, the water that turned into wine. And then verse 10 could be for anybody who's serving the Lord or even maybe you're mature in age. Maybe you've lived a long life. Maybe you've been through a lot of things. Maybe you try to, I know Christians, they don't understand spiritual warfare, which we'll talk about in a little while. I know Christians that come to church, they give their lives to the Lord, and they think everything's going to be wonderful. That's not the truth. You're on that, you know, you, you, you're going to that. That's that tippy toes with the tulips gospel. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is if it ain't rough, it ain't right. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that any man who's not willing to lose his life, it cannot even be my disciple. The gospel of Jesus Christ, if you don't hate your mother, hate your father, hate even your own life, you can't be down with me. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that 11 out of the 12 apostles were murdered, dead, so chased, imprisoned. So it's important that, that you get that. So what happens here is, so maybe you've been serving the Lord, or maybe you've been faithful for years, and maybe you've been waiting on God, and maybe God gave you a promise or, or a word of God, or God gave you a vision or a dream. You know, maybe God gave you something. Maybe your mother, you, you're waiting for your heritage or your legacy to come alive. Maybe this verse 10 is for you. God might be saving the best for last. That's a good word if you've been serving the Lord, if you've been struggling. God might be saving the best till now. Your best might be coming. God, right around the corner, God might be ready to bless you like you've never been blessed before in your life. You don't know. No ear has heard. No one has seen the things that God has for his people. So you might be serving the Lord, and you might be faithful, and, you might, and that verse 10 might be for you. God is saving the best till now. So if that's you, receive it. Amen? All right. Verse 11. It talks about this is the first of Jesus' signs, right? The first of Jesus' signs. A sign is something that points beyond itself. That's what a sign does. I told the, the 10 o'clock service that there's a, there's a table back there, and, and that's a sign. And the, the table is insignificant in and of itself. But if you show up in August for that week, for those two days, the table is pointing to a time where God is going to impart something into his people. The people that show up, those who are able to go, some people can go. And if you can't go, praise God. But for those who can go and are going to let this opportunity slip through their hands, that sign is so that you can be blessed in a way that a lot of other people can't even get. Some people can't get off of work. Some people can't make it. So if you're capable of going, that's a sign, and God wants to point you, that table, to something beyond itself. Listen, when you're traveling, there's signs that say, two miles, we're going to go here. And, and one and a half miles, you're going to get a... Signs are very important. You've got to believe in Jesus Christ and the Father who sent him, not in just his miracles. It's not the sign. So it says that this is one of his first signs he did in Cana of Galilee. And he said it manifested his glory. And check it out. After it manifested his glory, what did the disciples do? They believed in him. They believed in him. All throughout scriptures, you're going to see every time Jesus does a miracle, his disciples are baffled. Oh, wow, he even has control of the wind. Oh, wow, he got power over demons. Oh, wow. All of, he feeds, after he feeds 5,000 with, you know, fish and chips. Right? Three pieces of fish, right? He feeds 5,000. They're, they're in awe. Every time Jesus does a miracle, they're in awe. They're like, wow, another sign. And so what happens is a sign points to Jesus Christ. The miracle is not enough. 
Listen, we got signs. We, I told we need signs here. And we've seen these new signs, new men and women who are pointing to the glory of God in their lives. Men and women say, listen, I was tore from the floor. I was going to get a divorce. I was thinking about killing myself. I couldn't stop drinking. I was shooting dope. I was depressed. I was suicidal. And Jesus Christ came into my life. He changed my life. Yeah, don't get caught up with the sign. God is able to do far than anything you can imagine or think of. But it's not just don't be caught up in the blessing. Be caught up in the one who gave you the blessing. We need signs that point to him. We need men and women that say, yeah, I'm one of them. I go all over. I'm blessed. I I had a miserable existence. And he plucked me out of my nightmare. I was living a nightmare. I was amongst the living dead. I was a zombie on the street. And God pulled me out of my nightmare and brought me to a wonderful place. And now I'm able to tell people, yeah, I was messed up. But Jesus Christ, he did it in me. He could do it in you. Are you with me? So we need signs. A sign points beyond itself. And so he manifested his glory. God wants to manifest his glory in your situations. Did you know that? Sometimes God, my mother, right? I'll give you a powerful story. Powerful. My mother was dying of cancer. Dying of cancer. Lost her hair, chemo, radiation. She was weak, and banged her face against the wall, against the door. My mother was, she was on her way out. Stage four cancer, messed up. My mother, I said, I said, Mom, I've been praying that God can hear you. You know, God has a power. My mother said, Raymond, check it out. Don't worry about God healing me. My mother said, as the cancer is spreading, as the cancer is spreading through my body, as the tumors are getting bigger, my faith is increasing. My mother, I was blown away. I'm a pastor. I was, I was in awe of my, of my mother's response. She says, as the cancer is spreading, my faith is, she says, I'm going to glory. I was just talking to Dave and Dottie Wetherington. You know, he has kidney problems. She just had a couple of surgeries. They, they, you know what they said outside? They said, who's going to win the race? Who's going to get to glory first? Perspective. Powerful stuff. And so, so some Christians, so my whole thing about sometimes God wants Christians to go through some things because he wants to manifest his glory in that thing. But some Christians, they're not even blessable. God, you know, I think about when, when, you, when I go through a trial or tribulation or my son or my wife or whatever, when I go through something, I say, man, God is entrusting me with this trial. He thought so much of me that he's going to let me go through this so he can manifest his glory in this trial. In this problem, in this situation. Too many Christians get so caught up on themselves and what they feel and what they think that they don't even allow God the opportunity to manifest his glory in your life. If you allow him to manifest his glory, guess who gets the blessings? Think about it. If he can't get his glory, you can't get his blessings. Amen? All right. Okay. All right. So there's a sign that points beyond itself. He manifested his glory, right? He manifested his glory, and his disciples put faith in him. They believed in him even more. So here's the wine part of this, all right? Very important. The other thing I can tell you is that Moses' first uh, thing he did, a miracle, let's say, is he turned the water into blood in the Old Testament, in Exodus, which is significant, uh, 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 <coughs> excuse me, uh, uh, of doom. It's a curse. It's judgment. See what I'm saying? And so Moses' first miracle and Jesus' first miracle, turning water to wine, Jesus turning water into wine is a symbol of grace and mercy. Just like the Old Testament is of law and judgment, and the New Testament is grace and mercy. Very, very important that you get that. Okay, it's time for some wine. Amen. The word wine, now let me tell you what I think. I believe that Jesus Christ still today is able to turn water to wine. Now, okay, that's great. I had a cup of water earlier because I was thirsty. Now they gave me, turned into Gatorade, amen? But, <laughs> praise the Lord. But what I'm saying is that God is in the miracle-making business. God can take an uh, ordinary water and take it to the, turn it to the best wine the master of the banquet has ever tasted. What does that mean for us? What I'm trying to tell you is that God can take an ordinary man a man that was good for nothing, a man that never did nothing great in his life, a man that might have been a drug addict, a man that might have been a womanizer, a man that has been scarred so deeply by some tragedy in his life that he's practically good for nothing. God can take a man like that and touch his life and turn him into a man like Paul the Apostle. 
God can take an ordinary man. Paul the Apostle was an ordinary man. He was, you know, all that you can say, he was zealous for his religion. He served his religion faithfully. He dotted his I's and crossed his T's. He persecuted Christians. He was faithful to his religion. That's, that's Paul's call. That, that's his claim to fame in and of himself. But God got a hold of his life on the Damascus Road in Acts chapter 9. And after God laid him out on his back, blinded him and gave him sight again, he was able to see like he never saw before in his life. God can take you, God can take your life, God can take you and deposit something in you. He can touch you. His Holy Spirit can perform a surgery. He can heal your heart. He can deal with your hangups. He can address your habits. And God can use you in a way you never imagined possible. You can do, you, God can, you can be a trophy in his showcase if you are able to be available to God. So here's the WINE acronym. The W is for warrior. It's time for warriors to rise up. A warrior is someone who is experienced in being engaged in battle. That's what a warrior is. A warrior is not a private. You can keep it. A warrior is someone who is experienced, experienced, who knows that he's in a battle, who knows who's his commander, his, who's commanding officer, who knows the power of Jesus Christ in his life. A, 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 officer, a warrior is somebody who knows what weapons to use. You're not fighting with your boss. You're not fighting with your mother-in-law. You're not fighting with your neighbors, husbands and wives. You're not the problem. You've got to know how to fight the enemy. It's a spiritual battle. Ephesians chapter 6 says, uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we, fight, we wrestle against principalities in heavenly places and dark places. And so a warrior knows that his, who he's fighting for. A warrior knows what weapons to use. The word of God is the sword of spirit, the press praise of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, which is the mind of Christ, the gospel shoes of peace, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. A warrior knows his weapons, what he got to use. A warrior is somebody who understands that you're going to fight for your children, you're going to fight for your wife, you're going to fight for your purity, you're going to fight for your testimony, you're going to fight for your call. You're in a battle, beloved. You're in a battle. You understand what I'm saying to you? So maybe you didn't know it. Maybe the devil would like to keep you like the frog, complacent and stagnated. Right? But you need to know that you were brought here with a purpose. The, just the simple, ridiculous, dumb stuff. Like you being here today and me being here. Nothing scientifically deep. Just that God brought us in the same room at the same time to hear the same message. So, so God wants you to understand that he wants to turn you into a warrior. You know, ladies, we need more warrior princesses that know the word of God, that know how to pray, that know how to worship. We need more women that know how to get into the presence of God. We need more men that are pastors of their home. I, got, I don't know, you know, I, I did a sermon once, men are mice. I said, you guys are mice, you got to become men. You know, I don't, that's, you know, because, you know because we also worship, we're a little bit different. So we need to be men that fight for your families, men that fight for your purity. Listen, men, the power of the Holy Ghost many times can be established in one's purity. That's why men who are gifted and, and got great gifts and great talents got no power because they don't keep their purity. Pastor Edwin talks about purity a lot, I'm sure. So we need men that, that fight, that you fight for your purity, you fight for your wife. Instead of fighting with your wife for 15 minutes and 20 minutes, woman, instead of belittling your husband and telling him about the problems, he knows the problems, try praying for him for five minutes. Try speaking a word of life into his life. You're his helpmate. You, you see what I'm saying? So we need warriors. We need men and women who are fighting. You know, understand that the power that you have. Listen, this, let me just say this. The same power that rose Christ from the dead, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is inside of you. And if you can, if you can crucify your flesh and put on the armor of God, no demon in hell can, uh, can overcome you. No demon in hell can rip your children out of it. No demon in hell can rob you of what God has, has given you. I was saying earlier, if you've ever been in Williamsburg or, or Delancey Street, if you look at the Jewish stores, Abraham and son, Schwartz and son, such and such and son, and son, and son, and, and they, they understand that they got a legacy that they're turning down to their children. We have a spiritual legacy. Those who, have, those who are parents. And you got to fight for that legacy. you got to fight for that heritage. you gotta, you got to be able to do warfare in the spiritual realm. You understand what I'm saying to you? Let me give you a scripture real quick. 
Paul was a warrior. Let me give you an example. Paul was a warrior, right? Paul was arrested in Acts 21, 27 to 30. They arrested him, right? Paul was beaten in Acts 21, 32. He was beaten. They tried to kill him because he's a, because of the ministry of Jesus Christ in Acts 21, 31. He faced life-threatening storms and was shipwrecked in Acts 27, 13, all the way to 28. Paul was a warrior. Paul was God's man. Paul, he, he had purpose in his heart. He was going to serve God and go all out. They didn't know what to do with Paul. If you read the story of Paul, they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to arrest him. This guy wants to preach. We're going to put him in jail. Check out what Paul said. So, so Paul said, you're going to put me in jail? What do you think? That's going to move anything? He says, though I go chained, the gospel will go unchained. They said, oh yeah, you think you bad? We're going to kill you. Kill him. Stone him. We're going to put him to death. He said, put me to death? I'm a warrior for Jesus Christ. Put me to death. Death is a gift to be absent of the body and to be present with the Lord. Kill me if you need to kill me. They didn't know what to do with Paul. Paul was a warrior. We need men and women who are warriors, who are fighting for your own relationship with God, who are fighting for your family, fighting for this church. This church gave birth to a church planting movement. I don't know, you know, what we're talking about 10, 15 churches, that, that's not normal. What's going on is, is crazy. What God is doing, what God is trying to do within this ministry and throughout this ministry is nothing less than extraordinary. And we need more men and women. Randy Q, the guy, he left, he was working in his job for 10 years. He lived right next door to his mother. I lost my mother, so, and for those of you who have your mother, you know how valuable it is to have your mother right next door to you. She would say, mijo, I left your burrito on the table, go ahead, while he was in his house. I wish my mother would knock on my door and say, I left you something. So he had his mother, he had his job, he had his four-year-old daughter, single parent. And God called him. And the same thing that you're hearing, he heard. And said, brother, be a warrior. Serve the Lord. Come on. And he left his job. He left his family. He brought his four-year-old daughter. Didn't know where he was going to stay. He was going to stay in a church that burnt down. And left everything. He demonstrated by his actions that he was a warrior for the Lord. Anybody could put a warrior soldiers in men's shirt. Anybody could put on a bracelet. But a man shall be known by his fruit. He was a warrior, amen? The eye is for immovable. So we need warriors, the word W is for warriors. The eye is for immovable. Immovable means this, someone who's incapable of being moved. It's not that deep. No Hebrew, no Greek. Incapable of being moved. Not moving or not intended to be moved. I like this definition because of recovery house of worship unyielding, steadfast, not capable of being moved emotionally. So we've got too many emotional people. i got guys that have been in jail, that got muscles on their head, tattoos all over, and they're like little drama queens. No, no, the pastor didn't shake my hand. I'm not coming to church no more, son. That's my work. You did 20 years in prison? You're in PC? You know what I'm saying? No, man, he didn't, he didn't even look at me the whole sermon, son. I'm not coming back. <laughs> Crazy. We, we, immovable. Now, listen, I know who I deal with. I don't know you guys, some of you guys, but I know the people I deal with. The people I deal with are here today and gone tomorrow. They're not committed. They, 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 they got little orphan Annie that lives inside of them. I know the people I deal with. I'm not, I'm not saying NBT, but I know who I do. I know that, I know that, I know people are led by their emotions. They don't give a, about principles. Huh? I know, I know who I deal with. So why I say this is we need men and women who you spend time with Jesus Christ in prayer, in his word, and look at what the Bible says. The Bible says, check this out, because hanging out with the pastor doesn't make you immovable. Coming to church doesn't make you immovable. A lot of people come to church, they don't come to Christ. Lots of people. We come here to worship. For those who are visiting today, I, you guys know I say this a lot of times. The bus that's taking everybody to hell is stopping at 360 Skimmer Hall first. The bus that's going to hell. Because you can go to 360 Skimmer Hall. Doesn't mean you came to Christ. So let me tell you who makes you immovable. First Peter 5.10 says this. And the God of all grace who called you the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. After you've suffered a little while, 
Listen to it. After you suffered a little while, will himself, he himself, will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. You, you, who makes you firm? Who makes you steadfast? Who makes you firm? Who makes you new? Jesus makes you new. But check it out with the scripture. After you suffered a little while, you've got to learn how to suffer for in the church. You've got to learn how to suffer for Christ's sake. I know men, I know women who got beat up for years trying to make somebody love them that didn't love themselves. I know people that suffered in prison for gang, for name of a gang, for people who turned their back on them after 10 years. I know people who suffer because of a bag of dope. I know people who suffer for alcohol. I know people who suffer for the, they know how to suffer for the devil good. I mean, people who suffered 30 years, 40 years suffering in the world, and now you got to go through a little something, something to be free. You suffer to die. Why won't you suffer to live? And there's, by the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, says, Paul suffered. Did you see his resume? He suffered. Bitten by snakes. He was, people, turned their, people that had his back, they turned his back on him. He to, he, I like the fact that he named some of them. I'm not going to get into that right now. Because we can name a couple too. We don't do that in BT, but no, how we do it. How we do it, yeah. All right? All right, so anyway... It says, after you suffer a little while, you're in a battle, beloved. You're going to cry. You're going to suffer. You're going to feel like you're not saved. You're gonna, you, you, you really don't know how, what type of faith you got until you're in a storm that you've got to question your own faith. You don't know what, this, until you go through darkness, until you get squeezed, until you go through storms, you don't know what kind of faith you got. That's why Paul always said, find men who have shown themselves approved, men who've been tested, men who've gone through something. That's why the Bible says, don't use a novice, because it's easy to get saved and get caught up with emotion. But will you be here when the fire comes? Will you be here when we need $3 million? Will you be here when, when other people are going to Brooklyn Tabernacle and this wonderful churches? Will you be here going through the storm? Will you be here? Paul says, after you suffered a little while, God himself will restore you. God himself, that's a big deal. God can make you immovable. I used to be, uh, you know, here today, gone tomorrow type of guy. I, listen, I don't even like going to other churches no more where I came from. Because when I go to other churches that I came out of, and I sit down, and the holy, the AC is on, and I, the, the, the choir is speaking, I feel like, man, I'm out here in the trenches. I'm struggling. I'm going through mad drama. I'm hurting. I could just come here and chill. The devil gives me a Bible study. You need to lay down and grieve pastures, bro. Right? But God has called me to do this. You got, a co- you, you got a covenant back there, right? Check this out. Your covenant says this. This is your membership covenant, right? Having received Christ as my Lord and Savior and having been, been or in the process of being baptized and being in agreement with NBT statements and strategy and structure, I now feel led by the Holy Spirit to unite with NBT church family in doing so, I commit myself to God and the other members, being led by the Holy Spirit. That's what it says, that, that, you, that you acknowledge, that you have a, you're witnessing to the fact that you, Jesus comes from the Bronx, too, Harlem, the Bronx, well, Harlem, he comes from Yonkers, I got people that come from Long Island, I got people that come from all over, and they got to pass a hundred churches to get to our church. And they say, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I know that I know that I know that God brought me here. And once you sign this, you're not making a commitment to the church. You're making a commitment to God to be faithful that I will not be moved. That no matter what fire, no matter who's preaching today, no matter if they sing six songs before or after or one or none, that I was brought here by the power of the Holy Spirit, that I met somebody somewhere, somehow, way, and I ended up here. You see what I'm saying to you? And that you won't be moved. You're not going to be moved. You, Pastor Edwin's not the best preacher in the world. Your choir is not the best choir. There's a choir down the block that got seven Grammy Awards. Doesn't mean God brought you there. You know, my favorite preacher, I can't even say his name. I get stoned. Right? But, but he's my favorite preacher. Doesn't mean God led me to Texas. God brought me here to Brooklyn. See what I'm saying? All right. The, the, the end... The end is notorious. The end is notorious, right? Notorious means this. It means that you're generally known and talked about. Notorious. Everybody notorious? B.I.G.? He's notorious for his lyrics. He was a lyrical genius. 
Right? He was, he was able to tell a story in rap form. He's bad. Bad. No, sorry. All right. So we, men and women who are generally known and talked about. I, remember the text you sent me yesterday? Right? He said, Wally sent me a text. Andrea sent me a text. I remember when you, I remember when you used to get cursed at because you were starting a church. Those were the good old days. He texted me that. Just yesterday. I still got the text. When we started the Brooklyn Lighthouse in 2001, he was there, and the people would come against us. They would see me and Pastor Edwin, and they would say, oh, look at that's a God squad. That's a God squad. Don't hang out with them. Don't go to retreat. Don't go to the workshop. Stay. They're going to try to get you with God. And, and everywhere we go, we would go, I speak at conventions, and at conventions you can see, they would defend, the speaker of Raymond R. from Brooklyn, they, they would get up and leave. People would get up. They, I was becoming unfavorably known. Good. Good. I, I, don't, I was called worse. He's going to try to get you with God. You know what I tried to do when I was in the world? That's a compliment. So, so, but you, are we, I got people, I know people that have been in jail 20 years, that, yo, if they got names on the street, Choco Loco, you know what I mean, uh, all this guy over here, this guy from Do or Die, they, they are in the world, they got names. I, even me, the devil trying to play me. I'm from Greenpoint, right? I'm in Rikers Island, I'm a kid, and, and you got Best Eye, Do or Die, you got Bronzeville, Never Ran, Never Will, you got Sunset, which is Gunset, and then I'm from Greenpoint. Uh, huh? You know what? You know the devil convinced me my purpose was in life to put Greenpoint on the map in jail. That's what the devil convinced me. What a lowly call. The devil pimping me out in Rikers Island. That, that, that's what I thought my purpose. I, people are going to know about Greenpoint when I leave this camp. Now God flipped it. People are going to know about Jesus when I leave this camp. You understand? Now I gotta be notorious for the name of Jesus Christ. The one who died on the cross for me. But we need men and women who are notorious. Look, 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 what, look what it says in Paul, right? We need men and women like Paul. Paul, the reason he got arrested in Acts, because they said, This is the man who preaches everywhere he goes. That's why he said, This is the man who preaches. They saw Paul, that's the one that preaches everywhere he goes. And they arrested him, and he got beat down. And we need men and women that preach the gospel wherever they go. And you know what I say? My wife works for the Board of Education. I got like eight people that work for the Board of Education in my church, in one of my churches. Right? And so I tell them this I don't care where you at. I don't care where you work. I don't care who's around. Preach the gospel all day, every day. And only when you must use words. Only when you be, be a sermon, your life is going to be the only sermon some people are ever going to hear. Live it out, walk it out, be notorious. Let people know that you're a Christian. I got tattoos, Jesus changed my life. Don't get no tattoos, they're going to burn in hell. But I got tattoos, right? That's between me and God. And so, I, everywhere I go, everywhere I go, I live for Him. He died for me. I live for Him. If you're a real Christian, people don't like when I say real Christian. All right. Well, you got fake Christians. You got fake Christians. Oh, oh, yeah. right. You got fake Christians. There were fake Christians in the Bible, and there's fake Christians in the church. You got fake Christians. They're like Christaholics. They're only here when it feels good. You know what I mean? So, all right. Okay. I got to get ready to go soon. So, so, but we need men and women who are warriors, that you're going to fight the fire, you're not going to run the first time the bomb goes off. We need men and women that are immovable, that you're going to stand for your family, you're going to stand for God, you're going to stand for the church God brought you to. You're going to stand, you're not going to move. You're going to get your pastors back, you understand the price he paid and the leisure paid, and you're going to be part of those who are, are, are doing service. One of the things I didn't say that I said earlier was the master of the banquet didn't know where the wine came from, Right? But the servants knew, the Bible says. That's a big deal. Because if you're just watching the show, if you're just a spectator in church, if you're just punching in your time clock, you're not able to serve and see what God is doing behind the scenes. You don't see that this family was prayed for three years ago. You don't see that, that this guy was prayed for. You don't see how this happened that all of a sudden Larry's daughter gets saved. All of a sudden this person, you don't get to see all that. But if you're doing service, you get an in that other people don't get. It's real clear on that. It's real clear that the master of the banquet was at the banquet. Because he wasn't serving, he didn't, he didn't know what the miracle Jesus had just done. 
How sad it would be to know the miracles of this wonderful God, but not know the God of wonderful miracles. How sad, right? Okay. It said, the E is for extraordinary. The E is for extraordinary, amen? Extraordinary is this, going beyond what is usual, regular, or customary. Going beyond what is usual, regular, and customary, right? I got a couple of people I text, I'm going to be at NBC, they showed up, right? They, they came beyond what was usual and regular or customary. I'm going to see them at 5 o'clock today, but they came out to support this morning, right? They went beyond what was customary, regular, and usual, right? I hope they get blessed as a result. God is not a God that won't, if you give to him, he's going to bless you. Ten times over, a hundred times over, amen? Okay, so extraordinary is this. Paul in Acts chapter 19, the, the Bible says this, that God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. God, who did the miracles? God. Through who? Paul. That God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, that even the handkerchiefs and the aprons he touched were healing the sick and rebuking demons. That that's how God made himself available. Paul made himself available to God. Paul became committed to God. Paul was immovable. Paul, was, Paul pressed in. When the church doors were open, Paul was there. Paul was seeking after God. And because of his willingness to do beyond what was customary, his, to be, do beyond what's expected, God used him powerfully. You know, like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close in just a minute. What God is doing in recovery, house of worship. God, people can't believe it. I can't, you know, sometimes I sit down, we have our meetings behind the scenes, and how did this happen? We got to look back, man. We started a Bible study in Edwin's kitchen. It was like, it was maybe six of us. The story changes depending on my memory. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they, sometimes they fall, sometimes they... But I remember, you know, it was him and his wife. Dennis, Dennis, the drum player, he was at our first Bible study ever. Dennis was there the first... He was been with us throughout this whole time. Dennis was there, and we had two guys who manipulated who was on methadone. I'm still going to give him, like, Richie's, Richie brought his two cousins on methadone. Richie Messina, he used to be a part of this church. And we, so it was a bunch of us, me, Dennis, Sergio was a part of it. Sergio was a Jehovah's Witness back then, Right? And, and so he came, and we started a little Bible study. I didn't even know the Bible yet. I didn't know the Bible. I was like, Edwin, you teach. You know why I told Edwin to teach? I'm smart. I'm not dumb. I'm crazy. I'm not stupid. Right? The Bible says this. Check it out. The Bible says, he who teaches the Bible will be judged double. You know what I said? Edwin, you teach. <laughs> right? I'm smart. And I said, let God deal with you ever so firmly as you teach God's word. I'm the evangelist. I went and got Wally, and we went to get people and bring them in. It was evangelist. I was, uh, he's the teacher. God, double. I want double anointing. Give him double judgment. Amen? So, but that's, that's how we started. The, that's how we started. We didn't know what we was doing. We were setting up stuff. We was going to start it. It was crazy. This guy came in. He's gambling, lost everything, bugging out. We was, he was, you know... He didn't know how to t- receive something from younger, from somebody younger. He was like, oh, these guys are younger. You know what I mean? God transformed his life. Yeah, yeah. The same. But, God, but, look, but now look, he's preaching in churches. They're trying, to call, they're trying to steal him. They don't know. They don't got to steal him. We'll give him to God's work. We'll give him to the call of God. You know, but, and people have gone on. John Shinnick, you know, gay, people, God is blessed. If you look, I just had, I just had, um, Okay, I just had lunch yesterday with Mike and Michelle Arbona, right? They started, the guy got missing finger, she was like on methadone, they, was, they started the Bible, they, he's a deacon of a beautiful church in Florida, teaching the word of God, they're doing Celebrate Recovery, they're doing the wolf pack out there, right? I'm, I look at the people who stood with us, who started this, who've been firm and... God is blessed. God is not. Raymond didn't bless nobody. Edwin didn't bless nobody. The church. God is the one who blesses. All blessings come from above. If you're faithful to God, God will be ble- will bless you beyond what you can imagine. How faithful was God when you was unfaithful? How much now that you're faithful? And God is doing doing extraordinary things. Are you with me? All right. I'm going to close. Let me let me share with you something. It's time for some men and women here. 
to choose to allow God to make you into a warrior. Somebody who knows how to fight spiritually. It's time today to allow God to make you into someone who's immovable. That is, is going to get ugly. It's going to get rough. Your feelings are going to get hurt. But you're not going to be moved. Single people, you're not going to be moved by the devil's counterfeit. If you're a man, if you're, listen, it's very clear. The Bible says this. If you're single, it's not that deep. The Bible says it is not God said. Who said? God said. It is not good for man to be alone. So that's God speaking. So if you're single, God said it's not good. A man, God said it. So God's going to bring you someone. Don't be moved by the devil's counterfeit. Don't be moved. Stand firm. Does she go to church? Is she involved in ministry? Is he involved in ministry? Is he a tither? Do they give? Are they such? Ask. Listen, don't be moved. Especially by your emotions. God is faithful. He's not a man that should lie. And extraordinary things can happen in your life if you're able to do battle right according to this word. Stand still, cry but stay, bleed but stay. Sometimes you've got to be alone. There's a warrior in David's mighty battle that everybody left and he's fighting for the beans by himself. And by himself he's able to kill many. Because the power of the Holy Spirit was upon him. Are you with me? And I still believe. I'm leaving to California next year, right? I was moved by Randy Q, not what God did in him. That, and I've been talking about, so I'm going to go. I'm going to California. I'm going to start a couple of churches. And I'm, that's not my last stop. I'm going to go and start churches wherever God leads me. Amen. Right? God wants to raise up men. God is looking for pastors, for men and women who are willing to teach the word. Your life don't belong to you no more. You keep living your life. You're going to keep losing your life. Amen. No man who loses his life, for Christ's sake, will lose, ever lose it. Somebody said this, I'm going to get it wrong. It, only a fool, only a fool would keep something that is not going to last instead of letting go of something for something that will last all in eternity. Only a fool would keep on to, this is temporal. What are you going to do, sell another car? Get another $20,000 raise? What are you going to do, sell another house? What are you going to do, get a, next, a promotion? That's wonderful. What about kingdom business? What about lead people to the Lord? Amen. What about start churches? What about lead a five-year-old to the Lord that's going to become a missionary in another country? What about serve God? That, you, the Bible says he, we've never seen his children forsaken, nor God's children begging for bread. Never. So I encourage you. I, I challenge you. Step out of your comfort zone. Let God do extraordinary things. Be faithful to the Lord. Amen. All right, before we go, I want to pray for you. Now listen, this is not a, a happy-go-lucky altar call, all right? I don't want nobody to stand unless you're serious. It's between you and God. And you say, God, I want you to make me a warrior. You're going to invite battles into your life that you don't got right now. Be careful if you stand. <laughs> but you say, God, I, make, I want you to make me into a warrior. I want you to make me immovable. I want you to make me notorious for your name's sake. I want you to do extraordinary things to me. If you want that, if you say, God, I want it. I'm sick and tired of this world. I'm sick and tired of living for me. I want to live for you. I want to be that new wine that you're bringing out in this year. If you're serious about that, it's a dangerous prayer. I want you to stand right where you are. Amen. Father, I stand with every man, woman, and young child in this room. Father, we comprehend, we understand that a high price was paid for our lives. Royal blood was shed at Calvary, O oh God. Father, we understand that, that you purchased our lives out of slavery, of sin, that you've conquered death, that you brought us out of darkness. Help every man, woman, and young child now walk according to your word. Raise up men and women who are prayer warriors, my God, that will fight the enemy, that will become violent according to the word of God, that the gates of Hades shall not prevail, that legacies and heritage of Christian, of men and women who love God, who live according to your word, who fight the enemy for their families. Raise up men and women who will not be moved by storm, by circumstance, by trial, that they will stand on your word. Father, after they've done all they can do, they will do according to like Paul wrote, and stand, oh God. Father, I pray that you raise up men and women that you would use mightily. 
that their names will be spoken of as men and women who really believe in their God, who serve their God. And Father, raise up men and women that you can do extraordinary things through. Plant churches, send somebody to another country. Father, reach up hurting people. Raise up pastors, church planters, missionaries, oh God. And Father, raise up men and women who will be pillars of NBT for the next 40 years, oh God. Have your way, we pray. Continue to bless the Recovery House of Worship Church Planting Movement, oh God. We want to see churches planted in every city where recovery is available, oh God. Man can't do this, but you can do it, oh God. And we ask you to do it through us, we pray, God. Have your way. Move by your spirit. We'll give you all the glory and all the honor. We pray according to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Every man and woman said, Amen. Amen. Amen.